as God speaks through his word, as we listen to what he has to say for us, our response is oh so important that as we listen, then we obey. Our good God provides the peace, the strength, and our good God is the overcomer that we need. Uh, We're continuing our series, The Joy of Knowing. And as we continue, um, we're going to go to the fourth chapter of 1 John. And as we're there, we're going to look into truth and error. I'll need to control my slides. And in this passage, we see um, an incredible amount of what God is doing in the lives of believers. But as we see that, we see that at times there are things in this world that will distract us and will deceive us. Let's read our scripture together. And as we do so, um, see what God has for us in this passage. Verse 1, Beloved, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is not from God, this is the spirit of Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Let's bow for prayer and ask for his work and our hearts to understand the word. Gracious God, as we come before you this morning, we need your strength. We need your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts to communicate the word that we hear and see on the page to our understanding. And Lord, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to change our hearts today, to soften them, to, to hear your word, to listen and to obey, and to harden us against those who would deceive us or to bring us away from you. So, Father, would you work in our, on our time this morning? We see the great work and power of God. And Lord, may we see, may we see you do a great thing in our hearts. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. How does one discern truth from error? How is it that we determine what is right and wrong? Especially in a world that it seems there's a book a blog, a video, an article, a minute, or a second. YouTube fills over and over each day with people uh, wanting to tell us what they think. Some of it is good, 
Much of it is not. Are there guidelines to understand the truth from error? Are there some simple rubric for us to understand what is truth? What if your neighbor, your best friend, your, even your pastor begins to teach something about Jesus that just doesn't ring true? Would you know it? Would you be aware? Would you be able to, from Scripture, defend your opinion? Or do you trust blindly? Or do you just go along with, hey, it feels okay. It feels good to me. I think uh, I get a warm feeling when I hear that person speak. I'm moved. Or am I just making a big deal over nothing this morning? Well, John the Apostle, the Apostle whom Jesus loved, the Apostle that I think most closely has the heart of Jesus and compassion and care, is writing to the church this morning, as we're reading it this morning. He's writing to the church, a church that has been engaged and embroiled, really, with people coming from out of the church, um, saying they have another thought on who Jesus is. They have another thought on doctrine. And so the, his readers this morning are, uh, some are shaken. Some are not sure what to believe. Some know what to believe but don't know how to combat it. Others are just plain discouraged because of what they see. They know the truth, but they're discouraged and, and think, are we going to, how can we overcome this? And so he writes with a compassionate heart. He writes with kindness And he gives us, as he has been doing in chapter 3, he gives us in in chapter 4 another test, another way to definitively tell if a teacher, a writer, a blogger, a vlogger is from God. So let's see what John has for us. Verse 1, beloved, and notice that first word, beloved. He loves them, he cares for them. Beloved. Do not believe every spirit, or believe not every spirit. Let's pause there, because what he wants to say is, believe not every spirit that you hear. Now, as John is writing, he is not only thinking of the anthropological, the, the, the human spirit of the age, of what is going on around him, or people would say, but he's also, I think, has in view those demonic spirits who would, um, who would lead astray. But not necessarily. He's... If you might think of any, as Paul said, of wind of doctrine, any such current, he said, don't believe every spirit. As we say, don't believe everything you hear, don't believe everything you read. But instead, test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So, number one, don't believe everything. Don't believe every spirit. But number two, test. Put to the test. Put to the test of spirit to see if they're from God. As we think about this, um, John is saying, don't be gullible. Don't be naive. Don't be gullible to what you see, what you read, what you hear. Don't wholesale accept everything that comes your way that says it's from Jesus. And there is a tendency in our day especially um, just think about the things, uh, I rudely did not answer the door this week, I was in a hurry, uh, for some Jehovah Witnesses who came. And I saw them and they left a little thing on my door that confirmed it. 
But for those who say we worship Jehovah, Jesus is not God, really. Or maybe you have somebody who knocks on your door who think that uh, we all are, can be gods and our God is, and is just the, the God who, who ascended to a certain level and from planet Kolob and um, Jesus is his son, but uh, we can all have our planet one day also. Jesus is not real. Not real, God, really God. He's just a human. Um, don't be gullible. Test and try, he says. And if you look, and I didn't, um, in fact, I may do it in our uh, study questions this week. Jesus warns, Matthew 7, 24, um, Mark 13, Paul warns in Acts 20, uh, verses 20 through 30, Peter warns in 2 Peter. Most of the gospel writers, the majority of the gospel writers and the, the writers of the epistles in the New Testament give a warning. Jude warns. Everyone gives a warning about the true Jesus, who Jesus said he was, and he says, I want you to put it to a test. I want you to test this. You know, it's painful, doubly painful, I believe, for the church, because you see here from the language, it's painful for the body when there are disagreements and people coming from the congregation, the church, saying, oh, no, 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 what the apostles taught is not true. Here's what I think is the new idea on who Jesus is. It's hard to take difficult stands for the truth from people that you once went to church with or once lived with or, or loved or have brought into, into the body, perhaps dividing families. It's also confusing to listen to a person who, who maybe you've respected, now a man or a woman going now outside the body and preaching another doctrine. So John expresses the concerned. Maybe you've heard um, the term used, the phrase used, acid to test. Uh, if there's an acid test. Uh, it's something that uh, in the, the 1800s, you know, the gold prospectors would go. Uh, we think of the most famous one in California. Um, they would test to see if it's really gold or is it fool's gold. Uh, and the original test was uh, developed and taking nitric acid and, and dropping on the metal to see the rate of um, how, how the metal dissolved. And gold would stand and would not dissolve as quickly as another metal would dissolve. And this really is the root of this word to test, to put to the test. And dokimatsu in the Greek, it is to scrutinize, to test. And yes, this word was used in, in the New Testament times. Uh, for those of metallurgy, metallurgy fame, to, to detest, to see if gold, you know. I know you just bite the coin and see if it's real enough. It's soft and you, know, and you break your tooth. No, there is another test. And this is what, what John is saying. I want you to scrutinize and detest very carefully what you hear, what you read, what you see. Test, test. Because it has to do with knowledge, and that's John's next phrase that he brings to our mind. In fact, the first two are imperatives to believe not, here to test. And this could be the no here. It could be used as an imperative or indicative. Um, but, but really here to know, his next point is to know who is of God. Who is it can really say that they are of God? How do we know who, who's there? Well, they use the familiar, familiar term that we have used often in our study, uh, the one to have experience 
to have knowledge that's acquired by observation and by senses. How do you know? So John says in our, in our verse here, by this you know the Spirit of God. Now, let's, let's stop here. So we can read, read this that we can know, right? If he's saying by this, he's going to give a criteria. We can know who is of, who's out of the Spirit of God, who's from the Spirit of God. We can know this. And here it is. The, the, the acid test is whoever confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Whoever does confess that, this one is of or from God. And that is a, uh, that's a preposition of direction. He's coming out of, coming from God. So it is, he is indeed God. You understand? So what is to confess? That's not what you do on the witness stand or in the interrogation room. This is a declaration of agreement. This is to say the same thing as, as here God has said in his word. To declare this, to confess uh, we think of a public confession of, I declare that I believe, or I have done this. I, I state for all to hear, to see. And this is a dec- declaration of agreement that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. He is from God. So we have this understanding of who it is. See, Jesus didn't just appear as a man, and then uh, God came upon him. There are lots of funny teaching going on. In fact, if you track it... Um, I mean, I give the whole quote. If you track it, I mean, even from, from this century, the first century of, uh, of Christianity, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th century, all these ideas about who, who God was. Was he really God? Was he half God? Did God come upon him? And Jesus, um, was he really a man? Was he not really a man? And so as, as we work through it, and a lot of the early creeds dealt with this. Who is Jesus? And we've come to the... Um, a theological term, hypostatic union, that he is fully God and fully man. He had to be fully man, perfect, sinless man, that as he was sacrificed on the cross, as he laid down his life on the cross, he was sufficient for the atonement. He was the perfect sacrifice as a man for us, but he was also fully God. So as you have this understanding, First uh, Timothy 2.5 Uh, A brilliant passage for this to understand. For there is one God and one mediator. He is God. Who is it? Also between God and man, the the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Over and over in Scripture, we are confirmed that Jesus, yes, fully man, but fully God. And so in John's time, they were writing and they were having some kind of permutation of this that that was really weird and strange and and uh, so it would come out, and he says, the one who is, who is the Spirit, the true Spirit of God, who has that Spirit of God in him, will confess that Jesus has come in the flesh, and he indeed is God. That confession, that confession is so important. We've studied um, over the past year or so, from time to time, in our Engage series about other world religions. And we've said over and over the first distinguishing, the most important point that we, we examine is what they do with Christ. How do they view Christ? Specifically the deity of Christ. And here, John reminds us of the very important understanding, the test of knowing. He continues in verse 3. He's going to give us some, some, some contrast. He said, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So here's 
the one who is from God, the spirit that's from God, the idea, the, the doctrine, the person uh, who is bringing this to us is from God. He, he says that Jesus is God in the flesh. The one who is not says, Jesus is not even from God. He says, this is the spirit of Antichrist, of which you have heard is coming. And so you're, so you're saying, you've heard about the spirit of Antichrist, the one who denies Christ, this spirit, not him particularly right now, but the spirit that it's going to be in him and that he says already is per, um, permeating in the world today. The spirit, his time, our time, is already in the world. That spirit says, denies Jesus as God. That one denies who Jesus is. And so it's so important. And so he comes back to this, the acid test. And I just had, a, had to throw in a little, you know, diagram, a little image of testing gold. The acid test. What you do, what they do with Jesus Christ. Who is he? I reference, um, it's interesting in the creeds, they finally, uh, to, to, to correct a lot of the error, was said that Jesus was, Christ was the word made flesh. The divine and human natures were truly united. They were perfectly united. Uh, they were, he was undivided, his nature, and unmixedly, which is a kind of an odd word, opposing all the different errors of doctrine. So we have the evaluation the tests. Who do men say that Jesus, that I am? He, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one, understanding of Messiah, the son of the living God. So here, Pastor John assures the reader who's nodding his head or her head in agreement with the assurances previously mentioned of, of being a follower of Christ, of practicing righteousness, of, of loving one another, that they too may discern and understand, they may know who has the Spirit of God and who does not have the Spirit of God. But, but Pastor John's not quite done because he's given reassurance here. He goes on, verse 4. Verse 4 says, You are from God, little children. You are from God. And have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So not only do we believe not, we test, we know, but we have the understanding that we are overcomers by Christ, by the Holy Spirit, because greater is he that is in you. Let's dissect this a little bit. We have this, this understanding. He says, greater is he that is in you. John 16.33, we read for our scripture reading this morning. He says, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. See, Jesus won the victory already. He has already won the victory on the cross for us. And by his willing sacrifice, this, the sinless one, laid down his life for us to redeem us, to to rescue us from our sin. He took our sin upon him. And so the results are ongoing for the one who trusts and will can be completed ultimately in that day when he calls us home to be with him. He's defeated death, hell, sin, and the grave. He is overcome. And this overcomer has given us the Spirit, 
the Holy Spirit of God in us. So this overcomer, because remember what Jesus said, if I go, I will not leave you comfortless. If I go, I will bestow upon you the Holy Spirit for those who believe. He will be the one who indwells you, who cares for you, who, who guides you. And so now, John is saying, I believe here that the Spirit of truth, this Spirit who Jesus said will guide you into all truth, this one is in you, and so greater is he that is in you, and so you now may overcome those who would deceive you, who would pull you away, those who would try to break up those of the body. Do you know your spiritual security rests rest in, in God? The Holy Spirit is that seal. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us it's the seal that we are His. The Holy Spirit is the one that confirms in our heart. And so now we not only overcome the spirit of Antichrist, we overcome those who who would deceive us because we know the true spirit of God and because He leads us into all truth through His Word. We have this within us. He continues with the contrast. He says, they are from the world. Therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. It's interesting that the characteristics are similar here. They speak, the world listens. Those of the spirit of error speak, and the world follows them. See, those who left the body in John's time to follow error, or to even uh, themselves produce this error... They have left, and they gathered people to listen to them because they gathered people who did not have the spirit of truth in them to make righteous judgments here. But the world listens. He says, however, in contrast, he says, we are from God. He who knows God, the one, the individual who knows God, listens to us. And John is saying here as the writer, as an apostle, this one listens to us in our writing. And he would probably include Paul and, and Peter and Jude and, and all those who wrote in the, in the, and who were teaching in this time of the, the apostles. He's saying, they listen to us because we are from God. We are from God. And so the connection of the Holy Spirit in our hearts causes them to listen to the spirit of truth within us. And he says, by this... No, he who is not from God does not listen to us. They've gone out. They will not listen. And by this, the listening to now the Word of God, the following of the Word of God is how we know to distinguish the spirit of truth from error. Distinguishing the spirit of truth from error. So say to you, uh, you say, how does this help me now? How is it that I take this on a day-to-day basis and understand? Well, we have lessons to draw draw from this. And first of all, I think the lessons for us is don't be gullible. Don't believe everything that you read. In our day, many, and I say this with with understanding, there are many great books have been written uh, that are helpful that cause, encourage us. But the very truest 
source that we have of the wisdom of God is his word, his own word. And to the extent that a book will help us draw us back to the word, it is profitable. If a book is written or a a video or something that is given that draws us back to more study of the word, it is profitable. But if it draws us from the word of God, it is not profitable And we begin to trust outside resources other than the word of God. And then we can be very gullible. John says, don't believe. Don't place your faith and trust in everything that you hear and read. The word of God must be the sufficient source of the revelation of God to you. Now, as an aside, not in my notes... But as an aside, it's our time that we spend in the Word of God that makes it profitable. Um, the Word of God on my desk or my shelf doesn't really help me. I, it, it, it doesn't. Even under your pillow. I know some of you try to study that way in school. Um, it is the, the continual, the water of the Word washing over us that changes us, that conforms us to be like Christ. So, so I'm going to be gullible, you're going to be gullible if we're not in the Word. Okay? So, number one. Number two. Number two is take the Word of God and test. Scrutinize. Scrutinize me. Paul commended the church in Berea. Not down the road. The one overseas. He commended the church in Berea. Some of you are going there, weren't you? Yeah. Because what? Remember what, they, what he said about them? They, they searched the scriptures. Okay, they searched the scriptures to see. What did they have? The Old Testament. To see if what he was saying was true about Jesus. And that's how we have to be. Searching. Testing. Understand. We don't have to be belligerent about it or harsh about it. But we need not to have blinders on our eyes to people because we're like them or they're nice or because they have red hair that's turning gray. We search we understand we, our source is Scripture. And that is where the work of the Holy Spirit comes into our heart because God, the Holy Spirit, through His Word, changes us, brings us to, He brings us to this understanding of the Spirit of truth and Spirit of error. Thirdly, this is the, the pastoral heart of John. Understand that greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. By the Spirit's power, overcome. By the Spirit's power, overcome. And I say this in reference uh, to discouragement. Um, Sometimes we look at the world and say, oh, things are so terrible and bad. And they are, but relative to human history, in our neck of the woods, they're not so bad. I didn't pass the street as I walked, as I, we drove in. I didn't pass lines of crosses with Christians hanging on. But you know, in some parts of the world, it's pretty close to it. It may not be crosses, it just may be a, a beheading or two. How do we overcome such persecution, such things in the world? How do those believers 
live in such a way that as in their dying breath they glorify God, it's because they have the Spirit of God within them. They overcome through him. See, Paul is not just writing nice words when he says, be led by the Spirit. The Spirit uses his word, so we're confident in the Spirit. that, that In our leading, that if it's in God's word, it is true to God's word, then we are confident that's his leading. Led by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. And here it is, greater is he. For the heart that is discouraged, and maybe it is with, we'll take a second layer of apple, a second level of application, Discouraged in our sin and, and our walk with God seems to be at times difficult. If you're a child of God, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So the winds of doctrine that may come, that may deceive, the, the, the own stubbornness of our heart and our flesh, and boy, we all have it, and don't say you don't, because I do is overcome by the Holy Spirit of God as we allow him to use the word in us and to change us and to make us into the image of Christ. And we do not have to live in defeat. We do not have to live in impoverished spirit, but we can have the true joy of Christ in us. And for you who do not as we all do, don't feel as overcomers today. Run to, run to Christ. Run to Christ. Rest in the peace and the strength and the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Be confident in your God. Be confident in your God. Trust and believe Him. Believe not every spirit. Believe, place faith ongoing daily faith in your Heavenly Father. And when we do, we will know the joy of knowing our Savior. The joy of the Holy Spirit working, guiding, convicting, leading in our lives. We will know true joy. The joy of belonging. The joy of knowing our Savior. This morning, I don't know where you are. Whether you have heard something that seems maybe true and not, or maybe just discouraged from what you see around you. If you know the one who, who has overcome, then you may have joy. Let's bow for prayer. Gracious God, I thank you for who you are, for the power of your word, for your love for the great working that you do through the Holy Spirit as we allow him to search us and to try us by the word. And so God, I pray that this morning, as we contemplate what we've heard, what we've read from Scripture, I pray that you would dig down deep into our hearts. Oh God, I pray for that one who may not know Jesus as his or her Savior. 
I pray that you would do such a work to draw them to yourself. They would see, number one, their need of a Savior. Number two, to know that Jesus is the one who provides a perfect, complete salvation. You know, God, for the believer today, would you encourage that heart to trust in you, to follow you, to be in your word? Would you encourage the heart that is discouraged by the error that sees that it sees all around? Would you encourage our hearts to be more discerning? And that we evaluate everything that we read and hear based upon their understanding of who Jesus really is. And so by this, may we glorify you. May we bring you praise and honor. May we reflect you well in our world. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Head.